welcome back, welcome back. It is Annette Harris, your certified mental health ambassador and the host of this podcast, Mind Mending in the Net, all distributed by Get Caught in a Net Incorporated. And you know that I want you to think of this experience as a net for your mind to mend. Also want to remind you to please make sure you subscribe to Mind Mending in the Net on Spotify, Google, Apple, or wherever you get your podcast shows. Now, before we go further, you guys know the drill. Come on, say my mantra with me. Everything starts in the mind. Alrighty, now that we got that out of the way, I have to give you you, your positive mental health tip. And today's positive mental health tip, listen to this. To have an alert mind, you need to be fully aware and attentive. You need to be wide awake, keen, to have an alert mind. So what I want you to do Devote yourself to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. You want to get rid of that brain fog that you have and be more mentally alert. And one tip to do this, listen to music. Whatever music you like to listen to, take some time out and listen to it. Music is very powerful. It's a powerful tool that will help get you motivated. All right, so that's your positive mental health tip for today. You want to have that alert mind, so do what you need to do, and one tip is to listen to music. All right, I am excited for this particular podcast, guys. This episode uh, has been forthcoming, and I wanted to actually uh, chat about Naomi Osaka. I have a beautiful guest with me on uh, this podcast that I want to introduce to you. She's very special to me. And I thought about her instantly when the uh, topic of discussion with Naomi came out and how she withdrew. Um, Now tell me, I hope you guys know who I'm talking about, Naomi Osaka, all right? Tennis player. You, 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 You must know who that is, okay? Uh, But my guest today is Zavia K. Gray, (laughs) K as the middle initial. I was about to give her a full government name, but I don't want to do that to her. Zavia is in the house, and how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here. Well, I am so glad that you consented to come in and talk with me, help facilitate this discussion um, that we're gonna do on today. Now, you guys, the topic of this uh, discussion is simply Naomi Osaka and the importance of personal mental health care as it relates to her professional sports career and the obligations surrounding this career. Now, Zavia, I want you to explain to everybody why I chose you. You have a background here, okay, Um, with this sports career. And so I want you to talk a little bit about yourself and how you are related to this particular sport and situation. Yes, well, 
I've been a competitive tennis player for almost two decades now. I started when I was little. I was about six or seven years old. And I played junior tennis. I played college tennis. I had a few opportunities to play pro. So I do have a few years experience with this topic of mental health and how it affects athletes, specifically tennis players, because I myself have been in that position. Uh, so I can really relate to what Naomi is going through on a personal level through my experience um, and all those years of tennis playing. Two decades, oh my God. It does not even seem like it's been that long. Wow, okay, that is actually a great testament there. <laughs> and I did choose the right person. See guys, I, I knew I was on track with this. All right, so this is great. So you, you know it on both hands, talking about the sport itself and the mental health um, condition, situation, uh, however you wanna label it. This is good stuff. Now, Naomi, I think she, is she number one or number two? Currently, she's number two in the world. Okay, okay. All right, that's her ranking now. Um, I know I did pull up a few articles, and as I was doing my research for this this particular podcast, I did come across some, um, some articles that had uh, ranked her as number one, but I'm sure that was probably a while ago. Well, I don't know how long ago that was. Um, when that particular article that I, I looked at. So I, I wasn't sure. And I thought I read something recently that said she was number two. That's why I was asking the question. So let's see here. Okay, guys. So just a little bit of background. Naomi, she withdrew from the French Open, as I stated earlier. And um, there was... So then the situation surrounding that was because um, she was... They have an obligation to talk to the press. They meaning the sports athletes. Once they are, you know, I don't know at what point, it always seems like once the game or match or whatever is complete, um, that they have to talk to the media. And Naomi, now let me ask you, is it always after, as far as the tennis is concerned, is it always after the match that they talk to the media? Yes. So in like major tournaments meaning the the top four major grand slams and also higher level pro tournaments they have media there for when the players get done with their match so there's usually an on-court uh, immediate interview with the winner and occasionally the winner will also have to go into a press room and do a a conference after they get off the court and uh, you know shower get changed all that and they also uh, interview the loser as well um, in a lot of cases but everything is done post match okay all right uh, thanks for clearing that up for me because I know I did read something where they said she did an interview on court um, this was prior to her withdrawing and prior to all this big blow up if you will um, so I was just, I didn't know if it was always afterwards or do they do some on the court. So thanks for, for um, 
telling me that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not a tennis mom or anything like that, so I don't know all the, all the details surrounding. So you, you're helping me out a great deal here. So that's the situation, guys. So she pulled out and then she cited her reasons for pulling out were her mental health concerns. And when I immediately heard that, I, my heart just went out to her because I could only imagine how hard it was for her to just say that, you know, for her to state the reasons that it was mental health concerns. Because here you have this young woman, she's in the spotlight, she's, you know, number one, number two, uh, you know, people are looking up to her, you know, you have social media all over the place and you know somebody was going to have a field day with it. You know, somebody was going to understand and then somebody was not going to understand. So then, you know, I'm sure she probably battled with, you know, saying that or, you know, allowing the world to, to know that, okay, there's some mental health issues I have going, concerns, I'll say concerns, that I have going on. And, you know, I'll just be honest with you. A lot of times, especially in the black community, we are too prideful to admit when we have a, a mental health concern or a mental health issue or, uh, you know, our, our uncle JJ, you know, he had an issue with, we don't want anybody to know that, you know what I mean? So we, and that's been down through the years, that's been documented. So for her to come out and to actually be transparent and share this with us was tremendous. It was definitely commendable um, because of exactly what you said. Uh, honestly, in the black community, it's a, it's a stigma that you have to deal with it. Just deal with it and get over it. So I was extremely proud of her when she said that. Now, also to give some context, Naomi has been open about her anxiety and depression all the way back since 2018 when she won the US Open against Serena. So this wasn't new news when it came to her mental health. This was just, I feel like it was more shocking to people when she actually just withdrew altogether from the tournament with that sole reason. Because it's it's more common for athletes, um, especially with their obligations, to withdraw for physical injuries. If there's a, a tear or a break or a sprain, then, athletes usually will withdraw. But this is unprecedented because this uh, number two player in the world, this black woman is saying, hey, I need a break. This is taking a toll on my mental. And I'm not going to jeopardize my mental health any longer. So I'm going to take this time for myself. Wow. You just said a mouthful and you actually, I did not know that she had been expressive since 2018 about her uh, mental health state. I did not know that. And that just gave me a whole new level of, of respect for her. I honestly thought that this was 
Well, I, and I don't follow her that much. Maybe that's probably why they have a big part, you know, to so. Uh, unfortunately, I did see some things that, you know, people were like, okay, why is she just not talking about her mental health state? And is she just saying that because she just doesn't want to play in this in this tournament? You know what I mean? Right. Yes, I mean, I know they said she had a long-standing struggle with it. And, you know, it dated back some years. But I did not know that she herself had verbally uh, expressed what she had been dealing with. Um, and how old is she? How old is Naomi? I believe she's 23. She's 23? Okay. I think she just... Well, actually, we we have the same birthday month, October. So, yeah, she's 23. She's 23. Okay. All right. Oh, wow. Okay. Still a young woman, you know, and then all this pressure, you know, on her. And let's, let's talk... I, I know I'm getting out of sequence with my questions, but let's talk about that pressure as a young person. You, you, you stated yourself that you started when you were young playing tennis and that you have two basically two decades under under your belt as far as that's concerned, as far as tennis is concerned. Let's talk about that pressure. Even when you were younger uh, playing tennis, going to the tennis tournaments, playing it, you know, one-on-one or whatever, I may not be getting all the terminology right, but talk about the pressure. Sure. So when when you're little, I'll say when I was little and I was learning the game, the game is, you know, everything is fun. You're learning this new skill. And honestly, you don't really care one way or the other if you win or lose at that point because you're still learning. Now, when you get up there, I would say preteens, and you really start competing every other weekend and you're traveling and your parents are signing checks and paying for hotel rooms for you know for you to be able to play and participate in these tournaments then it's a lot more pressure because you don't want to let all of that sacrifice and all of that time and money be in vain even though when you're an amateur uh, playing in the junior level, you don't get paid for playing. What you do is you get ranking points and then you watch your ranking go up and up, which helps you play better tournaments, higher level tournaments. And when you're in high school, it helps you get college offers as well. So that's all stemming from maybe eight, nine, 10, all the way from that age all the way up until you're 18 trying to, to decide on a college to go to and hopefully get an offer to play for you know a quality high level tennis playing college so uh, that's pressure in and of itself because you don't want to waste people's time you don't want to waste people's energy and uh, natural competitors like myself you, you really don't want to lose anyway. Whenever you play something, you don't want to lose. So there's a lot of pressure. Okay, I got to be the best. I have to beat the best. I have to, I have to figure this out. And it can be frustrating when somebody, at the end of the day, sometimes somebody's just better than you or they had a better day than you. 
and there are all sorts of factors. Maybe the weather was bad and the wind was blowing all over the place and you couldn't hit the ball in. There's a number of factors, but it can take a toll when you're adding pressure onto yourself. So it can be frustrating and you might lash out. There are plenty of players who smash rackets on the ground, who curse, unfortunately, on the court, who act out against their parents, at, you know, all because of this pressure and not knowing how to deal with it, not knowing how to find an outlet for it or to calm yourself down if you're feeling frustrated or anxious. Um, so it's a lot. And we're talking about, you know, kid, you know, children who, you know, most of the time, if you don't play a sport, your only responsibility is to go to school and, and hang out with friends. And you don't always have that time if you're playing tennis competitively every other weekend, and then you have practices after school. So you don't have that much of a social life unless you're fortunate to be homeschooled. Then you can maybe meet people, but you also meet people around the tennis circuit. But then you always talk about tennis with your tennis friends, <laughs> or you're always practicing with your tennis friends. So there's a lot to deal with being that young employee. Wow, that was perfectly said, perfectly stated. And I don't know if we as adults a lot of time realize that pressure, you know, I can, you know, I, and I, I do remember some of your matches and I do remember sometimes you getting frustrated and then you having to regroup yourself. But that takes me to another point. To me, and you guys listen to this podcast or whoever else can maybe add to it, there are two sports that I can think of that really require you to have your your mental game has to be on point, <laughs> if I can say it like that. It really requires you to really think and to develop what your next move is going to be. And to me, that's tennis and golf. Yes, I, I would agree with that statement. Yeah. Um, Maybe expound on that a little bit more, if you, if you could. Why do you think it it Why do you think it is? Why do you think it takes so much of your your um, <laughs> you to think so hard to make sure you get that that hole in one in golf that you know make sure you 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 do what you need to do as far as a tennis player to get that to get to Wimbledon, if you will. <laughs> Right, right. Uh, now I can't, I can't speak on golf too much uh, because I'm not, I'm not very well versed in the golf game. But I do believe that golf takes a lot of concentration because you have a lot of obstacles on a golf course in addition to weather, wind changes, uh, elevation of the of the course itself, in addition to all those obstacles. Um, but on the tennis side, tennis is very much a chess game. And so if you're not in it to start, 
you're pretty much giving the match to your opponent. If you are already down or you, let's say you're just having a bad day, maybe something, you know, happened to where you're mad and then now you have to go and play this match and figure out how to play your opponent and win, it can be, a, like I said, a, bit, a lot of things going on in your head, but you kind of have to like shut all of that out and focus on the task at hand, which can also be a positive because if you have that bad day, you can kind of zone out and say, okay, I had this bad day or something went wrong or I'm not feeling 100% for this match, but I'm gonna focus on what's in front of me and worry about the rest later or figure out the rest later. And in that sense, tennis can also be a very good distraction from the outside world itself too. So it's a duality um, when it comes to the focus. Hey, you said that very well. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Now, what I want to do, I'm going to ask you this other question, but then I'm going to play some clips and I'm going to get your reactions to it. But I'm quite sure that, you know, we, we talked about the pressure and talked about, you know, the, the, the mental aspect and having to, you know, regroup and, and do what you need to do mentally so that you can get yourself into this. But there is another added layer, which is the fact that you are black. You are African-American. And I'm sure that that takes on a whole nother uh, <laughs> or a whole different uh, look because, you know, as a, as a black athlete, there, there's that extra pressure of you having to prove yourself. There's that extra pressure of trying to get beyond that prejudice that I'm sure you experience, you know, when you when you participate in these sports, when you are an athlete. So can you can you chat about that a little bit? Yes, so I <laughs> in that same sense I I am a minority. I'm an African American woman, I'm a double minority in a lot of cases because not a lot of African-American women dedicate themselves to tennis. And tennis was originally a, a white man's game. That's how it was founded and uh, created. So being black and succeeding in this sport, like you said, is one thing. And it's Unfortunately, even in 2021, it's still difficult. I can think back to a dozen times off the top of my head, uh, just this past year of people underestimating me as a tennis player just because I'm black from Chicago. And it's really unfortunate because it's that, you know, it's like you haven't even seen me play or you don't even know my potential. You don't know what I've you know, gone through or struggled, or you don't know what I've accomplished. I've done a lot in my two decades of tennis playing. I, I've 
been able to, by the grace of God, play college tennis. I've been able to compete at some of the highest levels of junior tennis on a national circuit. Uh, I've had opportunities to uh, qualify for the U.S. Open Tennis Tournament, which is a pro-level tournament, one of the top grand slams in the world, where the highest level of tennis competes every year. So for people to make that assumption is very um, disheartening a little bit, uh, even today. But I can also think about back when I was little and my opponents, my tennis opponents' parents talking about, oh, this little girl isn't anything, you know, she's not good enough, she won't be good enough, oh, you can beat her, mm. she's nothing, she's a cheater, uh, she's a liar, she's lying on the calls, on the ball, and all kinds of different things. Now, when you're little, you, you don't know what all of that necessarily means when people attack you like that, because when you're little, and I would say little as in like seven, eight years old, your concept of race isn't there yet. So you're like, okay, well, why is this person attacking me? They don't know me or they're being mean for what I didn't do anything to them. And then you start to have those conversations with your parents. They have a problem with you because you're black. You're a black girl and you're beating the pants off of their white child and they're not okay with it. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that's what it boils down to. So then as you're also coming up in tennis, you have to learn that discernment because I do have white tennis friends that I've played with for years and that are, are perfectly fine and cool. And then there's other people who I wouldn't, if I weren't playing in a tournament with them, I would not be in the vicinity of them at all because of that prejudice. Right. Um, so it's not everybody, but it's still too, too many. It's way too many. Uh, even now, even the people coming at Naomi Osaka, there were a lot, and I was so disappointed in these players. There were a lot of non-Black players and staff and commentators saying, oh, this is part of the job. She should just get over it and do what she's obligated to do. And the crazy thing is when Naomi was growing up or even when I was growing up and or Serena or Venus, I'm pretty sure, None of us grew up thinking, oh, I want to become a professional tennis player so that I can talk to media every time I win a match. <laughs> that's, not, that's not the goal. The goal is to go on the court, play someone, and win. And keep winning until you win the tournament. And then keep winning tournaments. The, you know, there's no bonus of being in front of cameras and repetitive questions day in, day out, week in, week out, every year, <laughs> like Naomi was saying. So there's no appeal to that, yeah. to that part, so. Right, right, right. I get it, I get it. I totally understand what you're saying. 
Now, I'm, I'm glad you, you brought it uh, back to Naomi because I know we, we took a little time to kind of talk about your background and how, you know, you uh, can even understand what she's dealing with. So what I want to do right now, I want to play a couple of uh, clips because we all, just as you said, there were mixed reactions, positively and neg negatively, about her withdrawing from, um, she did the French Open first, right? Correct. Sure. Because I think just the other day she just withdrew from Wimbledon. Am I saying that right? Yes. Okay. Yes. So she played that first round in the French, withdrew, and then she's now withdrawn from Wimbledon, um, looking forward to the uh, Tokyo Olympics. Right, which is where she was born, I believe. So, okay. All right, great. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining me for part one of my interview with Xavier Gray. We discussed Naomi Osaka and the importance of personal mental health care as it relates to your career and the obligations surrounding your career. Now there's a part two of this interview that you do not want to miss. So I want to encourage you to make sure that you listen to Mind Mending in the Net. Please make sure you subscribe if you haven't done so already. You can go to Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcast. Mind Mending in the Net, where everything starts in the mind.